as well. Um, good to have y'all. Does anybody have anything particular on their hearts tonight? Um, word of testimony, a prayer request. No, Jill said uh, she want to lift up. We want to lift up Christian tonight. He, uh, uh, Tyler got a cat, <laughs> and. Uh, and he put the cat on his chest and fell asleep. And when he woke up, he was had hives everywhere, and he's been sniffling and eyes itching. And he's, he's allergic. Obviously, yeah. Did he know that? Text him, and he said, "This is his first time he's ever had an allergic reaction to anything. He said, I can't breathe. I can't hardly swallow. I'm oh, my. I need to go get a shot or something. Well, I, I'd have that, and and um, yeah, I can't even. He, he needs to get any kind of clothes or anything out of it that he had cat cat hair on." Yeah, and, and yeah. Well, they shave the cat, so they okay. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's the remedy right there. No. Hairless cat got a lot smaller, by the way. <laughs> it's like a big rat now. <laughs> but he's uh, suffering with that. I know what that is. I, I get real allergic to. It. I think you are too, aren't you? Don't you, Don? Yeah, uh-huh. cats and horses are real bad. But it's not unusual to get it at a later date because I, I didn't get really allergic to it until I was older. When I was a kid, I played with it. It was fine. It hit you early, older, at an older age. So, I was almost 30 when I found out I was allergic to these things. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird how that happens. It just happens, yeah. It very is. And I always grew up and everybody told me that every seven years your body changes. Hmm. Wow! No, no telling how many changes we've been through all those seven years, then Bob. <laughs> You've had ten of them, Bob. Ten seven-year periods. <laughs> yeah. So when let's lift Christian up. Mm-hmm. Anybody else got a, something on their horse tonight? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just lift up Christian to you tonight, Lord, that uh, you'll intercede in his behalf, God, to heal his body and cause him to feel better. Give him wisdom, Lord, what to take or not take and uh, clean up the stuff from the cat. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do, Lord. All your forgiveness and your cleansing and your healing power, Lord, we don't forget. Thank you for what you do in our lives, God. We continue to lift up our sister, Connie, Lord, to you that you'd uh, heal her body, Lord. We're just going to continue to knock and ask to give us the bread, God, to heal that woman, Lord. We lift her up to you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Bless her, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Heal her body. Do a miracle, God, with her. Bless Bob. Bless, bless Connie in that way, Lord. I ask you to guide our conversation tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you will be the teacher, that you'll open up your word to us, open our ears and our eyes to see and to hear. It's just the grace, Lord God, that you've given us, God, to be able to understand your word. Help us to look at it in simplicity and truth and obedience with our hearts open, God, to receive from you, not to be stuck, Lord, in old doctrines and things, Father but to be living for you, Lord, and to be obedient to you no matter what. Because we will see you face to face, Lord, alone soon. We love you, Lord, and we give you thanks. 
In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I enjoyed going out there to open air today and got to share a little bit. It was a blessing. And uh, I saw you trying to hold back, but you couldn't. Couldn't do it. He wanted me to pray. <laughs> that was just a little uh, prelude to my prayer. <laughs> but I did, I did get up there and, and he said, Take your time, do, do what you want to do. You know, I said, oh, okay, <laughs> that's all I needed. Yeah. What did Claire say? There he goes. He's a preacher. <laughs> He's leading into it, right, Don? <laughs> oh, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. It was good, Yeah. Yeah, what a blessing. Anybody got a testimony thing going on in their life? Yes. Okay. Don. What? It's your testimony, Don. Oh, well, my whole life's a testimony. There you right? go. Y'all ain't got time for that. I hear you. <laughs> Seven years of uh, roses, but uh, I say today okay. is better than it ever has been. Good. And Good. strong, and what hasn't killed us uh, has made us stronger. And uh, we stayed with uh, the Lord in the middle of our relationship, and that's really the key. Yeah. That's a blessing. I heard out of somebody's mouth to, to this morning too. They said it's only going to get better. <laughs> Claire, <laughs> only going to get better. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, He finds a wife, finds a good thing. That's a blessing. Good. He loves his wife. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't going to say it. I'm going to say it, Claire. <laughs> Anybody else? Got a got an anniversary or testimony? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Anything on your heart? What'd y'all read this week? It is something that's kind of on my heart because um, so this morning the whole homeless reach out was basically what my heart's at is is I want to serve and I want to help people and I want to lead help lead people out of bondage from drugs and alcohol or that lifestyle into Christ. And really this morning, my, my heart's intention was that to serve is what I want to do. But it was kind of like the same people. Anyway, it just didn't, it was good. My heart was in the right place. But I, I feel that the Lord has is, is really uh, drawn me to some type of ministry to, to go out and help or do something um, besides just come and sit. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and prayer or thoughts or um, verses that, we're called to, to serve. And, um, well, you know, the, the scripture on that, Ben, is, um, he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, that's our commission. It's called the, uh, huh? In the book of Mark, yeah. In, in what? the book of Mark, yes. 
Matthew 28, 19 is the verse I just quoted. I thought it was Mark 16. Mark 16, 15, too, is, yeah. is also. But, uh, and, and he's actually the verse, when it really reads in the Greek, it says, as you're going through the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Um, it says, to be instant in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, for the time will come when they, when they will not endure a sound doctrine, which is now, what I believe. And uh, so we call the chair to truth. And uh, the day that we live in, as we know, there's not a lot of truth being shared. There's another gospel that's being shared, which is not the gospel of what I see in the scriptures. But nevertheless, at the same time, scripture says, be anxious for nothing to be at peace and not to be turmoiled about anything, but to rest in the Lord, to be content in whatever state you're in. Be thankful for what God's leading, and God's going to, will open up doors for you to go through, and he'll shut doors for you to come out of. And I've learned over time that whenever something is shut, you know, to be okay with that, because there's something else there. Mm -hmm. And whenever doors open, to be okay with that, because I've been both ways, where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, but it's open, and then I go in, and it's like, oh, this is, this is good, this is really good. Then the Lord will shut a door, and I'm like, Wow, you know, we just got to go in and it's like, okay, I want you to just be content. It's okay. I, it's, it's God's work. It's what he's doing. And uh, he's what he does in us and what he does for others. And he move, has us move in and out of things. But the main thing is, is in the book of Song of Solomon, it says, um, it says, my mother's children were angry at me. They made me keepers of their vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. <laughs> In other words, people can try to get you so busy or the enemy come at you and get you so busy doing other things that you're not tending to your own vineyard. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you're really having the time to tend to your own vineyard, your time in the Lord that you're spending in prayer and word and, and nourishment and hearing the word and walking out the word. Because the enemy sometimes his ploy is to get you away from that and get you on the focus on things of... Uh, other things to where you're so busy you don't have time that you're not nurturing your own self in being in things that you need to grow in the Lord in. And uh, I think that's, that's in, and that has a lot of merit because sometimes before the Lord will actually send you out, Paul was, was he 16 years? He went through before he actually went and started ministering and, and such. You know, he says in the book of Galatians, he spent time in Arabia in the desert and he spent time in another place, and then finally he went forth and, and began to minister to the, to the Gentiles all over the world. So be anxious for nothing. It's a good desire. It's good that you're willing, but let the Lord open it up. Don't try to manufacture and figure it out yourself because God can sometimes have a completely different plan for you than what you're thinking and say, Lord, I, my heart is ready for whatever you have. Both in that bondage, and I want to, I want to, I want to spread that there's. 
Actually, being every one of us in this room, we're in deep bondage. We're just different yeah, bondages. Here's the thing: there, there's a, there, uh, drug addiction, that bondage, and I'm not. Wait, no. For for me, it, it is a lot different than somewhat something else. It's a deep, dark. You know, I mean, you've seen it's all people. dark. If it's yeah, deep, and I, I, it's I hear dark. you, but I mean, yeah, it's uh, all for, dark. For, it, right. It's just it, anyway. It, it, it it's real tough, and I know a lot of people. Are, Stuck, a lot of people out there today are stuck in that bondage, and they're they're hopeless, and they're suicidal, and they're and the only thing they can see is just getting that next drink or that next boat, whatever. And uh, I just feel called, whether I don't know, maybe it's alcoholics or not. I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly, but I just know that it's uh, it's something. And so. Well, we we um, Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That he was um, he was burdened because of the world that's how I feel I feel my burden is is that uh, I would love to reach everybody in the world you know with the truth because I feel that there's so much error so much um, um, false teaching that that it's uh, it's just phenomenal you know when my eyes were truly open to it that uh, is everywhere and it's more so important even than feeding people their flesh is feeding people for their soul because flesh and blood is going to die and fall away but the soul is what's going to last forever and if we can impart to people the, the gospel truth and get them out of not just bondage from drugs but all bondage to be able to live and be ready to meet the Lord uh, because the Bible warns us over and over that it's going to be really bad at the end. A lot of people are going to be surprised. They're going to be shocked. A lot of people that thought they were going to heaven are not going to end up going because um, they're deceived. And the Bible warns us over and over again not to be deceived, and there was a reason for that. And um, that's my burden. You know, that's my mission is to help people to come out of that bondage. And it's, 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 a, um, it's a very heavy, heavy burden that I'm carrying, I'm sure some of you carry, you know, to, to care for that because um, very, very, very burdensome. Um, sure. You know, um, I've noticed over the years of going to Open Air that um, some of the other churches that come and minister, they stay off to the side and they fix their bags and stuff and they don't interact mm -hmm. with the people there. And um, what we found is that, you know, somebody be, you don't yeah. have to be the speaker and have everybody's attention but a one-on-one -on -one, you know God's drawing you there now look for that person to pray for like Donna spotted somebody says I think that's your person but she screwed it out I needed to talk to her yeah. but there's always somebody that might just need you know that five or ten minutes where they get the one-on-one you're right. Because you know, we just we don't go to just be spectators. And you don't go just to do a wrap of a bag and feel feel better about exactly. yourself. Yeah. I'm with you. That, that's yeah. Not, that's so I'm just with you on that. be bold. Yeah. Right. Wait. Who was it that came and I said go talk to somebody? How were you? I wasn't there today. No, but you were there that last time. Uh -huh. Yeah. I said go talk to somebody right now. Yeah. yeah. Go pray for somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, I want to talk about, well, we can talk about anything. That's why I wanted to open it up. So if anybody has something, fine. Otherwise, 
I want to talk about false prophets, how to recognize a false prophet. Everybody okay with that? Huh? I yeah. want to say something first. Go ahead. We're, we're, I would, we're called for holy calling, which is to come into the knowledge of the truth of, of, of Christ. But if you go back, and I've said this before, if you go back to Deuteronomy, God had requirements for the children of Israel. And that, play, that applies to us today because Jesus said the second great commandment is, is uh, to love your neighbor and yourself. Well, we're, we're called but to, to in, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we use that calling and do what he requires of us. And that calling is to take the word of God and not, not only uh, uh, help somebody in whatever you help them with, but to share that calling, to share what he's given you uh, for that purpose. So it doesn't matter uh, what we do uh, in serving. Uh, as long as somebody is blessed in the knowledge of Christ through it. And so whatever you do at the, uh, Ben, at the uh, Open Air Ministries over there, you're blessing somebody. Yeah. You're blessing somebody by just being there, even if you walk up to them and ask them how they're having a good day and maybe speak a few kind words over them. Uh, you know, uh, you're, I asked them, uh, one time I always felt guilty because I uh, felt like that I wasn't being of any good in the kingdom of God because of my position while I was in the army. And this, this, woman told me one time, she said, you've done a lot of people some good. You've done, you're doing what God has called you to do, but in your serving with other people, whatever you do to help them in any way or another, whether you know it or not, you've blessed somebody. And that holds to your account. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I, a lot of people say, well, I've never led nobody to the Lord. You don't know that. You don't know who you may have spoken to, might have planted a seed in their life, which God gave the water and the increase in some other manner, mm -hmm. you know, and, and somebody went on serving the Lord, might be somebody great, but you don't remember them because when they, when, when you first met them, you didn't know them anyway. And so, always keep in mind that you were called, you were called by God in a holy calling to uh, uh, to share his word, his gospel, but you do that in the, in the requirement that he gives us to go and serve and to be there when somebody needs us. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever gone down the road and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes up on you and says, hey, there are people in the house that need something to eat? I know a guy that did that one time. He went to the store, bought a whole big box of groceries, took it to the door, and he opened the door and he said, I'm going down the road and the Lord told me to bring this food to you. And the woman broke down crying. She said, I was just sitting here wondering what, where our next meal was coming from. So you never know, you know. You never know how in, in, in all of this that you're going to be helping somebody. And then you realize, well, I just took them a box of food. Hey, you did what God required you to do. Yeah. Is to share his love to somebody else. Thank you. First Timothy six. I did.
I said First Timothy. No, but that's where you're going, aren't you? I don't know. False teachers, right? This is what I want. This is what I have on my heart. This is a this is a burden I carry, and I'm going to share my burden with you. And you're going to think, well, no, probably not you. When you when you see something and you've seen something in a, in a tremendous revelation, like a light was turned on, and you see it, and you like. So many people need it, but then you get afraid to tell people because they're going to get mad at you, perhaps, or they're not going to receive what you have to say. And I look at people like John the Baptist. Looks like he wasn't afraid to tell anybody anything. I mean, he just blurts it out, you know, and we get so, like, so scared to offend somebody. And I see a man coming out and saying, man, here comes some of the religious leaders of that day, well-respected religious leaders that all the people look up to, and they're coming out there where he is, and he's baptizing people, and he looks over at them, and they're coming as if to get baptized, and he looks over at them, and he's in, in Luke chapter 3, and he says, you generation of vipers. <laughs> I mean, even to start the conversation that way. You generation of vipers, like, and one preacher tell me, he says, sometimes, you know, Don, you, you, you're a little harsh. You know, you're kind of harsh. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you're not used to it. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm listening to this guy, John the Baptist. He's saying, you generation of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, and then he says, listen, he said, before you come and I baptize you, Bring forth some fruits of righteousness. Fruits of repentance, excuse me. Some fruits of repentance. And don't say to me that Abraham is your father and that you're the children of Abraham. He said, because God is able of these stones to raise up children, praise and children to, to, to Abraham. And he said, but right now the ax is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is cut down. And I see that boldness of John the Baptist, you know. Then I see Jesus. He's doing the same thing. He says, oh, yeah, you're of the, your father, the devil. One time his own, Jesus' own disciples says, Lord, don't you realize you're offending them? In John chapter 6, when he said, eat my body and drink my blood. Don't, you need to explain yourself more, Jesus. You're offending these people. And he said, whoever my father has it drawn, it won't come in. They're not going to come anywhere. I'm, I'm going to just say it. And I see the boldness of that. And I feel like sometimes I draw back. Because I, I do. I really feel that. I feel that I draw back. Instead of just telling everybody and just not, not caring what they think of me. Not caring what they talk about me. And behind my back anything. That I want to I care. Like, like I want to, you know, I want to make, I want to have friends. I want people to like me. And he ever... Do you ever feel that way? I mean, do you ever feel that? Like, I do. Like you feel caught between, like, I, I, don't want, I don't want to offend nobody. I don't want anybody not to be my friend. I don't want everybody to like me. But this gospel doesn't allow it. Yeah. In the workplace, it's easy to feel that way. Yeah. And, and I just get, like, why, why don't, Paul says, I'm not seeking to please men. I'm not a men pleaser. I, I'm, I'm a God pleaser. And he says, I, I didn't come to seek to please men. But yet you have that in you, or else I've had that in me, that I, I, sometimes you just want to please men. 
and that's not good. I gotta, you know, you got to bring that down. You got to deny that. Um, because that's the problem with today. You start preaching and really letting it out. Ben, you've talked about that some. Like you be in those meetings sometimes, and, and it's just junk and filth and all, and you want to say something, but you draw back because what the consequences might be or what they might think of you. And I understand that. I understand where you're coming from. I feel that too. I feel that pressure of other people, you know, well, they're going to think you wasn't very kind. They're going to think you were kind of harsh. But I look at the apostles, the way they ministered sometimes. It didn't seem like, a matter of fact, Cedric said today, ministering love, you know, speak the truth in love. And he said, well, what's that love? And when we think of love, we think it's kind of a lovey-dovey type thing. But it's different love than what Jesus felt. He felt like, I love them so much, I'm willing to lose my life and them not like me and tell them the gospel so that they, they make their own decision and they go stand before me in that final day. And hey, I told you, I told you, I warned you. But rather than saying, well, listen, I, I, I didn't warn you. I hope you didn't mind because I didn't want you not to like me. I didn't want, I didn't want to feel the rejection. I didn't want to feel, you know, like you, you wouldn't be my friend. You know, so I just kept my mouth shut. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to be that way. And a lot of y'all say, no, you're not like that. I am. I feel the same thing. I'm expressing myself because I don't want that. Because when I see love in the scriptures, the love that I'm seeing is like, you love me if you keep my commandments. <laughs> you know, you're my friend if you do whatever I tell you to, Jesus said. You know, uh, loving is laying down my life for you, telling you the truth, whether you like it or not. So let me ask you this. Okay, so it's huge in my life because I got to go through when I go through a drug court and we get a lot of work and we talk a lot about God and spirituality and a bunch of stuff. But I feel, I, I mean, I wasn't meeting Saturday morning and my spirit was stirred so bad that I just felt like stand up and just, I mean, it was terrible anyway. If you don't say it, the Lord's put it on your heart to say it, that's bad stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, what I'm, yeah. that's why I'm saying this. Yeah. Look, I've been someplace, like you, I've been in situations where I have been in a church, a church before, and somebody's been preaching something totally off the wall, and I've stood up and said something. Are you seeing the Holy Spirit by doing that? Absolutely. I felt Spirit? so prompted. I felt just like you did. Yeah. And I said, man, i got to say something, man. He's leading all these people to hell. And I stood up and said it. And that people thought, some people were like, well, yeah, yeah. But other people thought, man, this guy's nuts. You know, because he stood up in front of everybody and said something. Well, brother, you should have called him aside. Not when they're affecting everybody all around them. Paul was in a situation, okay, in, in, Galatians, in Galatians chapter 2. He's there, you know, with like the pillars of the church, he called them, you know, like Peter and, you know, all the disciples and there Paul is, he just gets converted, you know, he's been out in the wilderness, he just comes up in there and, and he's there with them and, and they're going to eat and Peter, the disciple Peter goes over there and he breaks away from the Gentiles and he goes over there where the Jews, like, he separates himself with him like the Gentiles aren't as good as us and we, you know, we, we're going to have us Jews here and you Gentiles stay over there. And Paul rebuked him to the face in front of everybody. <laughs> Paul, why did you call him aside? You know, talk to him aside. But no, you rebuked him in front of everybody. He said, you're to be blamed, man. 
you know, you want to live like God said for the Gentiles live, but you're trying to go back and, and you call Bar- cause Barnabas to be withdrawn and he's drawn back with you and he rebuked him harshly in front of everybody. Like Paul was so bold. Same thing. These guys that are really fired up for the Lord, we read about them later, but I think during the time they were living, I think people were like, man, that guy's crazy. I think that's what they were thinking. That guy is rude. He, he, you know, he's, he's like, you know, some people say, well, man, you got to become friends with him before you tell him about the Lord. And you got to do that. You don't know that you got the next day with him. Yeah. I've lived long enough that I've had guys that I wish I would have told something to. They died, of, committed suicide and got killed. And I never got to tell him what I needed to tell him. And I felt so bad because I said I was waiting to get closer to him before I told him anything. I want to be so bold that, you know, just speak it to anybody without any resistance, you know, and just, just let them know, you know, I mean, just let them know because we need to do that. People are going to, are dying every day, going to hell. People are following false doctrines. When this thing got open to me, man, and I'll hear me repeat it all the time, what first started awakening me was when I saw that, uh, man, seven, when I read statistics, it's over 70% of, of, of professing Christians saying they looked at pornography on a regular basis. Then I thought about, I, I was in church one day and I preached on forgiveness, and half the church had unforgiveness in their heart towards somebody. I began to think, how many people in this church or these churches are really saved and going to heaven? How many people really are not living this gospel? Then I hear all these preachers talking about you'll sin till the day you die. You're born with an atom nature and you'll always sin. You know, you got this on you, your predestination type doctrines. And I read about it in every one. I'm like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? I'm burdened so heavy. I can't, and I feel like I can't do anything about it. I, I want to save them. I want to tell them all, but they don't listen to me. They don't want to hear me. They think I couldn't possibly be right and everybody else wrong. And that's where you find yourself in this situation. And it leads to all this. So what most people do is just shut up. And they get there and they sit in their pew. And they just trust their pastor, the pope or the priest, and they just stay there. So what you going to do? That's the question. And I pray, guys, I pray all the time. I say, God, please make me more bold. Because I remember Paul prayed that. He said, <gasps> he's in prison. He's in jail mm-hmm. for preaching the gospel. And he's in bonds and he's in all these shackles and he's in, and he's in jail and he can't go anywhere. And he's got some, he's letting some people come in so he can minister. And he's, he's in jail. He's writing a letter to the church. In Ephesians chapter 6. And he's telling them all about putting the armor of God on. He says, pray always with all prayer, with supplication, praying in the spirit. And pray for me. All right, what you need, Paul? You need to get out of prison. I pray that you get out of prison, right? Pray that you get used to those bonds where you can eat a good meal, man, instead of that bread and water. He said, pray for me. Pray that God wouldn't make me more bold, he said. And give me more doors of utterance. What? We'd be praying like, God, you got to help me, man. I'm in this prison. There's no air conditioning. There's no heat. The food is terrible. I mean, get me out of this thing. No, no. God, make me more bold. 
Make me speak out more and not hold back. Gee whiz. What's it going to take? No wonder Jesus said, man, if you follow me, you're going to lose your life. You're going to lose it. Because it's not popular preaching because you're going against the core. You're going against what everybody else thinks they're okay in. And the hardest people to reach are people that think they already got it. Yeah, I'm just going to say this because my counselor added up a little program on that. She says she's a pastor. Yet she goes around and says, what about your disease and your disease? And I just feel like saying, you're so double-minded. Like you're telling these people that they have a disease because that's what the world is saying anyway. But you're supposed to be a woman that's in the Word of God. It's just, I mean, but I can't say that because I guess I could. He could. She's saying that we have a disease because you're always going to be a drug addict and always going to be an alcoholic. I actually talked to a guy about that today. About all things are new, all things come to pass. It's scriptural. So why do you keep saying that you're not? Well, it's a reminder. You got to be. You can't forget where you come from. So you're going to speak that you're. Scripture is forgetting those things that are past. Everybody's got this skewed message. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense to them in their head. And I mean, that meeting Saturday morning where you're reading the Beatitudes and Jesus on the Mount, and they, they say something about being a martyr. Well, I knew what a martyr was, but I wanted to ask a question so we could address it. Sir, what's a martyr? Someone that dies for your This is an atheist that I'm talking to. Someone that dies for their belief. And the other guy goes, Well, I'm not really sure. It's kind of like a self inflict and a bunch of, I mean, 20 minutes of just. I'm going... Man's opinions. <laughs> that, that's what it was. We were reading the book. And the BS, it, was, it was phenomenal for being in an AA meeting. And, uh, and they just skewed it all with their thoughts and their opinions. And that's what that's where we're at in this world. They'll read the scripture and then they'll skew it all with their opinion. That can't possibly mean that. There's so they try to make it mean something else. And that's and, what happens. And it even makes sense a little bit. But it's like, you know... There's scripture for it's you know you're taking away you're adding to and you're making it what you want it to mean. Look at Acts chapter twenty. I would imagine that uh, Jesus was trying to encourage that in the disciples when he said that they they hated him. Remember that they hated him first. Yeah, that's right. And marvel not that the world hates you because it hated me to begin with exactly. And he said when you persecuted from from my namesake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You know, he said, jump for joy, man. Like, wow. <laughs> no, he didn't ask. He, he spoke. He said that that's why Jesus spoke and said that um, they, hate, they will hate you because they hated me first, you know, for speaking the truth, you know. Acts 20, uh, Paul has been ministering. Uh, in the book of Acts, we're toward the end of the book of Acts. Um, he, he is, he's been preaching the gospel all over, all over. And he's getting, it's not going to be long that he's going to be going to be with the Lord. Um, and he starts off in verse 22. And he says, now behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy 
and ministry which I have received that the Lord Jesus Christ should testify of the gospel of the grace of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I've kept, my fa- kept the faith, I've fought a good fight, and I've finished my course. So here he's talking about finishing his course. He finished it in 2 Timothy and died. Verse 27 says, For I have not shunned the, to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said, I didn't hold nothing back. See, I did not hold anything back from telling you. I didn't even worry about your feelings. Take heed, he, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made me overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, for I know this. He knows this. This is a certain thing. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Boy, is that true. Now, he didn't mean literally wolves. Of course, he meant that false preachers, sure. false prophets, false teachers are going to enter in and they're not going to spare the flock. In other words, they're going to really mess a lot of people's minds up. I want you now to remember that here and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7. Something we've read a lot and you're very familiar with, but I'm going to tie it in with this. Matthew chapter 7 and I want you to go to um, verse verse 15 right before that he says about you know straight is the gate narrows the way that leads to life a few there be that find it uh broad is the way wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go there yet because straight is the gate narrows the way and few few go in therein so he's saying only a few is going to enter in uh because straight is the gate few find it first 15 i want you to look at beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves. It's kind of sound like Paul when he said grievous wolves shall come in among you not sparing the flock. Now Jesus is saying here he's giving you a warning. Watch out for false prophets. They look like sheep. They look like they're righteous but inwardly, they're going to really mess you up. And he tells you how to, def- how to identify a false prophet. He wants you to know how to identify a false prophet. And he tells you how to identify it in the next verse. You shall know them, who? The false prophet, by their fruits. Do men gather grapes, thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. So let me ask you a question tonight. Can a good tree bring forth bad fruit? KB? Really? Can a bad tree bring forth good fruit? No, can a good tree bring forth bad fruit, Ben? <laughs> Neither. Neither is, is correct. I want, you to, I want you to just think about that. I, I, this scripture puzzled me for a long time. Because I would see people, you know, they said they were a good tree, you know, or preachers, they'd say they're a good tree, but they were sitting but I'm a sinner. I'll always be a sinner. All right, they would stumble and do different things, what have you. I said, well, how can this scripture be? 
The Bible's telling me how to recognize a false prophet. And if I use this instruction that he gives me to recognize one, then I don't really seem, I'm not able to really find any that's not a false prophet because I don't know any good trees that bring forth good fruit all the time. It seemingly looked like they do some good things and then they do some bad things. They do some good things and they do some bad things. But here he's telling me that a good tree cannot bring forth bad, corrupt, or evil fruit. Wow. So if you see any, none of it's good. Excuse me? So if you see anything bad, none of it's good. Yeah, because the note of the heart of what was doing good wasn't really good. It was bad. Because, but he wants you to be able to recognize it because if you see any of it bad, then you know the whole thing ain't no good. Yeah, but then if you take the flip side of that, a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. That's right. But it does sometimes. No, never. Never. It may look like good fruit. It may look like good fruit, but the mode of the heart, it may be bad fruit. You see? Like you can seemingly give your body to be burned, but if you have not love, it's no good. Okay, if it's not done out of love, it's not done out of right perspective, it's no good. I mean, a lot of the non-believers will do things that are seemingly... And they do it for their own pride or their own recognition or whatever it might be. It's not, it's all about self. But you see, but you see, tree is not just recognized here. In John 15, he says that he basically reiterates that. John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bring forth fruit is cut off. You see, and if it brings forth fruit, he proves it to bring forth more fruit. But what it looks like to hear is that basically... Um, basically, if we corrupt in any way, we, we miss the kingdom. Remember, the rich young ruler had one thing he had missing, yeah. and he couldn't make it, so obviously he, was, he did some things. But what, sometimes we, we don't even understand, and while we're doing it, what the motive of our heart is, because self is so hidden and so you know, um, unprevalent sometimes that we'll do things and our heart is not really because we really so much care about the person or whatever, but it still amounts to ourselves. Jill? Chris was going to say, I think it's a matter of the Bible would, would say that at the time you were doing this, you were a hypocrite. God hates hypocrisy. Mm.
use that CD plan that you have for good, but that sure. doesn't really go to your account if you're living yeah. hypocrisy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not that the good can't come this from guy. a person, but it's not really like you can't take the trophy home. Oh. She said, She was looking at you and she said, Do you know what I mean? Oh, I was looking at a scripture. Well, let, let, let's do this. Let's read the rest of the scripture in context, okay? Let's keep going, okay, to get the full context of the scripture. Bob? Okay, let's finish this one. We'll go there. What, what does that make either the tree good or evil? Make it either good or evil? Is that the one you're talking about? No? no. Okay, all right, never mind. Okay, um, so he goes on, verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings out forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. So that's pretty, pretty straightforward. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And then he ties in right with it the scripture that you're very familiar with, which is not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, of heaven, but he that doeth, that's doing it, the will of the, my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So he, he's carrying this forth from what he said, even with the false prophets, the bad fruit, and, and people that are thinking that, obviously, that they're bringing forth good fruit, right? Because those guys that are saying, Lord, didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name? Good fruit. Didn't we cast out devils? They, they would think, good fruit. Didn't we do all these wonderful works? Good fruit. <laughs> it wasn't good fruit to the Lord. Because he said, depart from me. You workers of sin. You're just doing sin. You see how if you tie everything he's saying in together, it, it kind of identifies what good fruit is and what bad fruit is. Then he goes further. He doesn't stop there. All, this is all together. In the same, he's talking in the same context here. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'm going to show you who he's like. He's like a wise man. He built his house on the rock. You know the scripture. He went deep with his repentance. He built it on Jesus. The rain descended, you know, the storms of life, the tribulations, the things come at you that Paul said earlier, none of those things move me because I kept my life dear to me. Winds beat, blew, but the house, it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. But look at the evil tree. He's the one that hears the word, hears the sayings of mine, and doesn't do them. He's likened to a foolish man. He built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at this kind of teaching. They blew his, they blew, he blew their minds. For he taught them as one having authority and not his scribes. So you look at the context of, okay, I'm going to show you how to recognize a false prophet. Yeah. A good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. And when I look at that, I don't look 
out necessarily out there and saying, yeah, I see a lot of that. And I do. But I look at my own life too. Say, am I a good tree? Am I bringing forth any corrupt fruit? Because if I am, I'm building my house on the sand. It's not on the rock. I haven't gone deep enough with my repentance. I have to go deeper. I have to, the Bible says, examine yourselves. How? By the word of God. Prove your own selves, lest you be a reprobate in 2 Corinthians 13. I have to examine myself by this. Because I don't want to be a foolish man that looks at this and walks away and forgets what he sees, like the one in James 1. He looks in the mirror and doesn't remember what he saw. See, we have to put our name in front of all these scriptures. Is that me? Do I still got ugly stuff coming out of my mouth? Or do I, am I still uh, lusting? Or am I still having, uh, looking at porn? Am I still lying? Am I, all these things. And I, could, I went through a lot of other scriptures this morning. I was looking at those fruits of righteousness. Because the fruit that he's talking about, the good fruit is fruits of righteousness. And he goes forth and he says, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about bringing forth the fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness, of fruits, righteousness is holiness, is, is no sin, is fruits of, of, so what he's talking about, bringing forth good fruit, is, is, is fruits of righteousness. It's, it's holiness, it's the opposite of the works of the flesh. It's the works of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, that's part of it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, without God, without hypocrisy. As a matter of fact, fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, all those. But in, but in, in James 3, he talks about that um, the fruits of righteousness there. He, he, he talks about the wisdom that is from above, is pure, holy, without hypocrisy, full of the fruits of righteousness. You see, so it doesn't have any hypocrisy in it. It doesn't have any, any junk in it. Because I wanted to identify what is good fruit. You know, because it says you're not going to bring forth any bad fruits. I want to know what good fruit is so I know what bad fruit is. You know, the, the bad fruit is, is, the other word for it was evil fruit. You know, which was corrupt fruit. You know, like, you can go out to, sometimes we go out to the orange trees and we pick oranges. Some of them are, are, are bad fruit. You know, so you don't eat those. You know, you throw those away. Huh? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's all good fruit on that one, huh? two of them out because we had two corrupt ones. I pulled the whole tree out. Jill tried to replant it, but I pulled them both out. 
<laughs> yeah, you see there? I got rid of all my corrupt trees. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting though. As soon as he dries up, they going in there, brother. <laughs> it's spiritual, right? Yeah. There's the scripture in twelve eleven, for instance, says, "Now no chastening." Which, by the way, chastening is the exact same word for teaching in the scripture. Like, um, like uh, the grace of God teaches us to deny all ungodliness and world us. That word teaching is the same exact word as chastening. So the Lord doesn't necessarily chasten you for sin, but he teaches you through things. Like Job was chastened. It wasn't for his sin. It was that the Lord taught him through that also. But it says, no chastening for the time... For the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So that's like, that's the fruit of righteousness. That's the good fruit. See, that it's bringing forth. So that defines good fruit. I'll give you another couple of scriptures. I want to write them and look at them later. Proverbs 1130 says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, Bob. Proverbs, Proverbs uh, uh, 11, uh, 30. Tree, this fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. Um, Philippians 1 and 11 says that we're filled with fruits of righteousness. Philippians what? Philippians 1 11. And of course, James 3, 17 read, which uh, fruits of righteousness without hypocrisy. Okay. Bob, you still want to go to that other, to 18? Yeah, I'd like you to. Okay, what, what, cha- what book? It's Luke 18:19. Yeah, that's always been a, quite a mystery. Because we have other scriptures in the Bible that, for instance, the man Joseph that um, had that gave the tomb to Jesus, the Bible says he was a good man. You know, we have plenty of other scriptures that says they were a good man, but Jesus was, Jesus was making a point there, I think cause, perhaps because he was looking on Jesus, on man, you know, and, and he said, there's, there's really none good but the Father, you know, so that, that's my thoughts on it, but you might have some other thoughts there. The only thing I can come up with is that at the time they were still in the Old Testament times, The only thing there, Bob, is Jesus is the one that asked, Jesus is the one that answered his question because he asked Jesus, "What must he do to have eternal life?" And Jesus says, "Well, you know the commandments," and he begins to name those commandments. And the rich young ruler says, "All these have I done since my youth." And then Jesus says, "But one thing you lack." He didn't say he lacked doing the commandments. He didn't say he wasn't good doing the commandments. And then if you go to, he, he said, and then. You know, the story after that, he says, 
you know, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. Technically, Crossan followed me. The man walked away sorrowfully uh, because he had great riches. But another, the, the same kind of question was asked in Luke chapter 10. Uh, a lawyer came to Jesus, and he asked him, he says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him, he says, you know the law. And he said, yeah. And, and he, like, you know, some people today would say, well, why didn't Jesus tell him, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? Because that was believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. Believing is, is obedience to God's law. But, uh, but he, he told him that, and the man says, you know, man begins to tell him, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man began to justify himself, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him about the Samaritan, that all Jews wouldn't hang out with Samaritans. But the answer Jesus gave when he was asked, and that would astonish me and opened my eyes somewhat, when Jesus was asked, like if somebody came to you and they said, what do I need to do to be saved? Because that's what they asked Jesus. And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. <laughs> what are you telling me the commandments for? I'm not under the law. And, and Jesus tells him, and then the lawyer comes to him and says, what do I need to have eternal life? He said, well, you, don't you know the law? Because Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill it. He says, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from the law, the commandments, until everything is fulfilled. And he said, if one breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of God. But whosoever shall do them and teach them so, they shall be called greatest. That is, and those are the words of Jesus, which to me stand more priority than anything in the Bible. But yet man has completely done away with those words and, say, and says, okay, you're not under the commandments. You're not under the law. You know, you don't have to do those things. The law, that particular law was here before the commands was, which were even given. Commands weren't even given until Moses in the book of Exodus. But the command was given to, to Cain when the Lord told him, he says, says, sin is knocking at your door. He says, to slay your brother, he says, but you, you, you must rule over it, that sin. Murder was there. It was, it was against God's moral law from the beginning. There's a moral law that we all have to walk in the standard of that. Paul wrote in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, I am under the law of Christ. In Romans 3.31, he says, do we then nullify the law because of the grace of God? He says, no, we establish the law. And then in Romans chapter 2, he, sa he says there, he says, it's not the hearers of the law that are justified by, by the Lord, but the doers of the law shall be justified. The law is not something that ever got eliminated. Now, we're not under the law of the Levitical, Levitical law of the keeping of, of washing of dishes and circumcisions and, and all those type of, types of things, excuse me. We're not under that law, but we're under the law of doing the commandments of God, those particular ones. I mean, my, you've got a list that God basically says the law when he says, uh, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No fornicating all adultery, none of these shall enter the kingdom. That's part of the law. Where did it come from that you just, I, I, you always hear? The only one that you're not of is because he explicitly brought it out was Sabbath, was the keeping of the Sabbath. Because in Colossians 2 says that Christ became the Sabbath for us. So you're not under that, but you are under all the rest of them because that's the only one that's not mentioned in the New Testament to do. I was to do. reading that whole um, 
Yeah, that was in Galatians. That's who he was talking to. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that they that you get to that point and you, and you read, you know, he says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the law? You know, but the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but you're not under the law of that schoolmaster anymore because you, you no longer called servants, but you call sons. Then right after that, he gets to, and the next one, he says, but if you walk in the, uh, he says, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh in the fifth chapter. And he says, those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. These are, the, he says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these to show you if you walk in the flesh, you're going to do these things. All those things are the law. That he mentioned, all those things of the law. You know, don't, don't commit adultery, don't fornicate, don't kill, don't steal. All those are listed in the list. Which is all, and somebody said, well, I'm not under the law. Well, Paul just said in the same book that he told you not under that law that you're not understanding. He said, you don't do these things, which are the law. <laughs> so, you see, and that's where man has gotten now, is they want to say, you know what, I'm just saved by the grace of God, calling it his unmerited favor, uh, I'm trusting in the finished worth of Christ. I'm covered by his blood. Uh, all Jesus doesn't see my sin. All he sees is the blood of, I mean, God only sees the blood of Jesus Christ. All those things are man-made. They're not in the word of God. They're man-made. And they come back from early teachings from after Constantine and Catholicism, and it's moved into the Protestant churches, and that's where we are today. Where were we? <laughs> Last scripture, I believe we were at. Um, you were, I, think you were, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Romans 2 is the last scripture. Okay, yeah, that was the one I was calling out. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Speaking of false prophets, let's get back on that. 11. <clears throat> no. Well, we could go there. We could start first and go all the way through. It's all good. Um, and, and that might be worth repeating. You're right. Um, Paul basically writes, um, verse 2, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oh, boy, that's, that's loaded. Because when you read the full counsel of the Word of God, you'll get a clear understanding of what God is saying. If you cherry pick and isolate scriptures, you can build any kind of doctrine you want off of it. But when you look at the full counsel of the Word of God, you see what God is saying. When you start seeing stuff, be you doers of the Word, not hearers only. When you start seeing, you know, all these scriptures about obedience, the author of eternal salvation, all obey him. Without, without, um, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I mean, over and over, if you continue in this, then you will do this. You know, if, don't, if you do these things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. All these things, you know, you can, you, and you stay in the simplicity of what God said, you'll be fine. But it's only when you start listening to some other people that tell you and give, give you these huge explanations, and they wrestle with the scriptures to their own destruction. You ever heard of scripture? In first, in Second Peter chapter three, hold your place in Second Corinthians eleven. I want to just show you the scripture, and, and I, I'm convinced this is what has happened in the day that we live in. Second Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three. 
it says in verse, um, and, and he's talking in 2 Peter chapter 3 about uh, the end that's coming and where everything's going to be dissolved and what man or person's going to be, knowing that everything's going to be burned up fervently in heat. And, and um, he talks about how, verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for the, such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace, without spot, blameless, and it counts as the long-suffering of, of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto him. You know, it's kind of good to see Peter talking good about Paul now after Paul rebuked him. <laughs> you know, he still loved Paul. He says, well, listen to what he says about Paul. As also in all his epistles, speaking in him of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Gosh, that fits today. They wrestle with Paul's writings to their own destruction. How would you do that? By saying, well, Paul said, I'm not under the law. Therefore, I'm not going to follow the law. I'm, I'm, just, I'm saved like I am. And they, it brings them to their own destruction. They're going to end up in hell because they didn't do what God said to do. And they cherry-picked it. Yeah, that's what they, they use that kind of stuff. They cherry pick that out and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that one and that one and that one. Instead of looking at the full counsel of God and see what he's really talking about. A Romans 7, they'll say, that's exactly how I live. Just like in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. They're not realizing that Paul's speaking about a time when he was unregenerated. He wasn't even saved there. He was just what he's talking about. No, no, longer than that. Well, longer than that. And they really, truly, that's what they believe. So how, how, unless God gives them this revelation or somebody share with them, they're never going to see it. And then what? And then what? They, 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 they don't have uh, eternity. Then that's the problem. Yeah, I know, I know. I know, but, but their eyes are blinded. Their eyes are blinded. They got sin in their life which separates them from God. And they're just, and they really, truly believe that they're absolutely that they're walking in. This is this is what they got. Look, when I was a Catholic, I truly believed I was going in heaven because I was a Catholic. When somebody asked me if I was going to heaven, you know what I'd say? What would we say? I'm a Catholic. Are you a Christian? I'm a Catholic. Yeah. That was our answer, right? My mama told me when I was little, and I remember crossing the Mississippi River Bridge, old bridge over there one day, and we were talking to mom about it. Mom said, guys, y'all are really fortunate to be born Catholics because you got a guarantee into heaven. Don't even hang around Baptist people or any other religion. You got the religion. You, you're going to make it. Because I was convinced. That's what mama told me. That's what the priest told me. Never read the Bible. So I was so convinced. Could somebody convince me otherwise? No way. Mama told me that. It wasn't until I got older and I began to see some things that didn't look right. Then I finally opened the Bible and said, whoa, well, and that's the <laughs> I've been lied to. The problem is, is, they, is the enemy has come in with such subtlety, as he's saying here in 2 Corinthians 11, and created another gospel, which is not a gospel at all, through, through back, back with the Gnostics. And when Constantine came into, into power and made all the pagan religions come together, Gnostics were done away with, all of a mix, it all mixed. And then when Martin Luther came in, he left those same doctrines there, and we're dealing with it up till to this day. But the early Christians didn't have these kind of doctrines. They believed in walking in holiness. They walked in holiness. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, man, you saw how uprightly and blameless and holy we walked among you. 
said, man, I, I stand before you with a conscious void of offense. He says, I'm, I, I don't have any sin. I'm living holy and righteous. You know, uh, just... It still doesn't make it a lie. It's still a lie is a lie. Yeah. What gets me is I'll read, I'll read about, I read about your church. I read about all, all different churches. We know about church you go with to. I read their, 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 their convictions, their, their beliefs. They believe that you're born with a sin nature and you're born condemned is what the script, what they say. And so that, but they don't think about what they're saying. Because if you're born condemned, that baby dies, he's going to hell. Because what could save him? He's born condemned in a sin nature. He's got sin on him. You can't enter the kingdom of God with, with sin. You're going to hell. That's the belief of most of the... Of, I, I hope I can find some churches that believe different. I don't know of any. I don't know of any yet. Because I look at all of them and I see all these... The Calvinist viewpoint of what, of what they say. Of, of, of saying that basically you don't have a choice. Another one that's big that I read, same kind of thing, was repentance. They said that it's not your choice to repent. That God, that it's a gift from God, and that you can only repent if God gives you the gift of repentance. Well, that takes away your choice. That means that you're a Calvinist. That means that it's totally up to God. So I would be able to go before the throne of God and say, God, you never gave me the gift of repentance. So I'm really not guilty. You you had me born into sin. So how could I help with sin? Because I was born into sin. You know, you have all these things. But that's not true. But all these churches, that's their beliefs. And I don't know if they just don't think about what they're saying, what it really means, or they don't care. I don't know which one it is. But it's very dangerous because it's sending people to hell because you, they're thinking that they're going to make it. And that's what I'm afraid that what's happening when I read that false prophets and I read that they're doing all these things that they think are good works, doing these miracles, Wonderful works, and Jesus says to them, I didn't know you. I don't know you, you sinners. You were a sinner. Even the scripture says, you draw near me with your mouth, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Even the praise and worship, your heart's not right with God. You praise the Lord and you feel in his presence. He says, that's not what I want. I'm not pleased with that. I want real worship. They worship me in spirit and truth. And have a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. The scripture even says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 4. So you're supposed to purify your heart. Let us cleanse our, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and blood, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Things that you must do. But well, if we do anything, then we stop in the grace of God. 
and we're, we're, we're adding to it. We're going back under the law. We're doing like the Galatians. You know, we're, we're, we're crucifying Christ the first, whatever, and all these things. And, and, and it's, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to reach people like that. I, I just, I don't know. Let's go back to St. Corinthians. Sir? Blame it on Mark Luther King James. Yeah. He did some good stuff, but he did some bad stuff, too. He needed to keep some of that out. Let me finish this last scripture and we'll close, okay? This last one is 2 Corinthians 11 because I didn't finish there. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go a little bit faster through it. Um, so he says, verse 3, But I fear lest any man, by any means, uh, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind sh- should be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom you have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well b- bear with him. Okay, let's let's skip over now to verse. What does that mean? I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, in other words, don't don't stay with it. Don't bear don't bear with them. Get away from that. Verse thirteen. Yeah, thank you. He talks about these, and he says, "For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, preachers." Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. And no marvel. I mean, it's not, shouldn't be a surprise to you. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to what they do, to their works. Is not this the same thing Jesus said? Beware of false prophets. They're going to look like they're ministers. They're going to look like they got, they're like whales with no water, clouds with you know, carried about with the tempest as in 2 Peter 2. He says, know them by their fruits. Here they are. It's not a big thing that they're going to be transformed. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. We have to be more aware and test these spirits and check them out by the word of God. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. If I myself... And I hope you say that for yourself. Bring forth corrupt fruit, evil fruit. I have to examine myself. And I have to admit, I'm not a good tree. I'm an evil tree. I want to be a good tree. Therefore, I repent. Listen, guys, do one more thing. You don't repent and sin. Sin, repent. Sin, repent. Repentance is supposed to be a one-time thing. That's why he says you become a new creature. Old things are past and all things become new. You don't keep becoming new every day. You don't keep becoming born again every day. You don't keep. What happens if you keep sinning, then you are sinning willfully. You can't not, you cannot go look at porn and call it, well, that wasn't willful sin. (laughs) If you sin willfully after you come to the knowledge of truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sin. 
But it wasn't never about, Paul, John wrote, he says, if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, when you sin, you have an advocate. He says, if you do, like it's something that's not going to happen, because he says right before that, the one that says, I know him, he keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth's not in him. So that repentance, like the man that built his house on the rock, you got to go down until you hit the rock in your own life. But if we sin, if. If you do. If you do. But the, but the whole thing, he said, my little child, right on you that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the righteous one, Jesus Christ. Get it right. Make that repentance full, though, because you start treading on very dangerous ground where you may not be able to come back. Remember in, in, John, in Acts chapter 8, when Paul was dealing with Simon, Simon wanted to buy the Holy Ghost. He wanted to give him money, remember, for the Holy Ghost. And, and, Paul, and Peter rebuked him and said, your heart is not right with God. He said, you need to pray peradventure or perhaps the Lord will give you repentance. The Lord will allow you to come back again. He said, he might, he might not. Listen to this, bro. It is impossible for those that have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back. You're playing play Russian roulette when you do that. You, you, it's got to stop. Hebrews 6. So here's John chapter 2. It could be like when somebody stumbles. Because he said when... If, if you sin. It could be like when somebody stumbles. Yeah, I, I, I don't look at it as somebody just went and fornicated. You know, he, he, he might have, you know, raised his voice or something like that, you know. Well, you have to look at the other scriptures. You have to look at, like, you know, if, if, if you go fornicate or you go do something like that, that's a willful sin. That's a big deal. You, you can't enter the kingdom of God. But I would strongly recommend that, that person repent and come back. We've, we've done that. We've, we've, we've done that. You ask for forgiveness and you repent. You turn from. Listen to me. How many times did David go back and do what he did? Never went back. Never went back to that. Matter of fact, you go, you go back in, in, in Psalms 18, where we're reading today. David said he wasn't sinning anymore. What was the scripture we read? That was uh, Psalms. Uh, Psalms 18, verse 20. Yeah, it was that he did, and and he he took it took almost a year. He repented in books almost a year of repentance of brokenness to God. That's the object. That's that's the way God made it to be. Why? This is why. That's why he he puts the other scriptures with it, and he says that if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. You can't become a new creature over and over again. Okay? You're a new creature. Old things are past. All things have become new. So when you become that new creature, everything's new. That's the real repentance. Okay? You must be born again. Born again, you know, is, is a new creation. New wine in, an old, in a new wineskin. That's a new creation. It doesn't go from new to old, new to old, old to new, back and forth. It's a one-time conversion is what God meant it to be. But somebody could 
during that time, if their repentance wasn't deep enough and they really didn't come to that full repentance, then something may sneak up or what have you that's still there and God will put his finger you on it and you, you repent of it. No, you could always walk away from it. You could always walk away. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, if you see a righteous man turn from his righteousness, then you go to him and you share with him and he doesn't turn from his righteousness and let him know that all of the, what he's done right will no longer be remembered and that he will suffer death and hell. And what's the scripture so, that we talked about? The, the son in the father's house can't continue to sin yeah. or to be considered a slave and not a true he slave. He only abides in the house. But it's it's not so much like there it is. It seems like there's you know you come to full repentance. You say I, I really I want to follow you, and you're you're, um, you're not you haven't reached perfection yet. You're not you don't have to sin because you're no longer a slave to sin. It doesn't say that you don't have to. Don't. The Bible doesn't say that no, you don't have I'm to. I'm saying that the Bible says that you're no longer... The Bible longer, says you're free. You're not going to. The Bible says you're no longer a slave to sin. Okay? But what you're a slave to after that? Well, I'm a slave of Christ. No, no, no. What, you're, what does the Bible say that you become a slave? You're not a slave to slave sin. To so what are you? Slave to righteousness. So you can't help but do righteousness. Not sinning. But, but yeah, but there's so many different scriptures that... Saying that if you sin or if you fall, we have a mediator. No, there's only mediator. one scripture that says that. There's First John one. chapter two, verse one. What about only what one. Just said about when you're the son in the father's house, he's not going to continue no. allowing you. He's giving you. It says you know, that because even no, God, like, slave doesn't abide. Ezekiel giving that man to turn back to God. You know, Ezekiel eight. In Ezekiel eight, God giving that option that warning that man to turn back to Him. If the righteous man turns from his righteousness and comes back to the Lord, then he, then he will be forgiven. But, but, uh, yeah. And, and, what I'm getting at, Claire, is that it's not a walk where you're sinning and you're repenting. You're sinning and you're repenting. It's not, it's the occasion, not the thing that's happening over and over again. Yeah. Your stumble is not something that's going to be going on all the time. Well, there's that, that thing that I've been saying that it just grieves me so much. I saw it in Bed Bath, uh, the t-shirts around Mardi Gras. Sin, repent, Repeat. That's right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm saying at all. But can you believe that? That's like a marketing thing. Well, listen. But listen. If we're still sinning after we've been in the Lord for 20 years, there's something wrong. Yeah. Something about, desperately let me wrong. Ask you this. This is just. What about someone that's brand new? That's a baby. Is there some kind of grace? Give her. Give her the scripture. For, uh, I think it's Second Peter one. <laughs> So, Peter so they know it by now. Second Peter one, bro. Well, I mean, is there some type of? I mean, if you're Second Peter one through two. Maybe they have an encounter we got. Right. First Peter. First Peter one. First Peter chapter two. First Peter two. First Peter two one through two. Listen to this. This is a new. This is a newborn. Okay. This is what a newborn does. This is how off we've been. And I and I've been the same way. I was off too. No. Second Peter two and one. Where. Second, no, first Peter, I'm first sorry, Peter first Peter 2 and 1. Wherefore, 
lay aside all malice. What's malice? Everybody know what malice is? Getting even with somebody else because you're mad at them. Guile. Claire, huh? Second Peter, one malice, and two. Malice is conducted conducted first, no, I'm sorry, First Peter, two and one. Okay. Malice is conducted in crime within your heart. Okay, so something coming out of your heart is no good. Guile. Okay. Hypocrisies. You know what hypocrisies is? To say one thing and do the opposite. Envies, and all evil speaking. Anything coming out of your mouth. As newborn babes. These are newborn babes that don't have this in their life. So they're thinking, well, you know, newborn believers aren't going to do that. Well, these, these newborn believers didn't have any hypocrisy. They didn't have any evil speaking. They didn't have any of that. But today, because they're saying, and this is the whole problem. People are told that they saved in their sin. And, and that's not so. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance leads to salvation. You're not saved in your sin. You're saved from your sin. Okay. So if you repented, what does repent mean? It means you turn from your sin. So you godly sorrow, but see what has happened is man skips over the repentance board. Say they say, you got godly sorrow, you get salvation. But they skip in that middle ingredient. And that's why so many people are convinced that they were saved. And I was convinced I was saved back then. I said I was saved. I wasn't. Because I didn't repent. I had a partial repentance, but I really didn't have a full repentance. So I really wasn't saved. And, and, and I knew I had experience with God because I had godly sorrow. But I was told that I was saved. Therefore, the sin was there and everybody else was sinning. And I seared my conscience with a hot iron as I went on sinning. Basically, because I thought that was the normal life of a Christian. And it wasn't. I, just, I deceived myself. You see what I'm saying? How easy that can happen. And I had to admit to myself, like, man, I... I I was instructed wrongly because I left off repentance. If you think about what repentance is, it's a complete change of mind. Not about drugs, not about alcohol, not about fornication, not about pornography. All of it. It's all of it. That's why he says you become a whole new creation. All those old, all those old things are passed away. Everything's become new. You are new, born again. What's born again? You're a new person. Ephesians 4 says that we put on a new man created after Christ in righteousness and true holiness. That's the new man. He's created in righteousness and true holiness. But you're, you're, it also says that you are being saved. It's a, an act. Of because being. salvation doesn't come until you're at the end. But and, okay, and you're running the race. Continue to read chapter verse 2. What? Continue to read verse 2. Of- yeah. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Grow. Now, grow doesn't necessarily mean that you're still sinning and that you got to quit sinning. Growth means it's not really talking about uh, whether, you know, you, you're perfect in, in, in uh, knowledge. You're not perfect in knowledge when you come to the Lord. You're still learning things. Je- even Jesus said, said that he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. He grew. The Bible says Jesus grew and waxed older in all knowledge and everything, that he grew in knowledge also. We grow in knowledge, more understanding, more things, you know, that we learn as we get older. We, hopefully we learned a lot in time. Huh? And what we still know in part, prophesy in part, till that which is perfect has come. So that, but, but what happens is 
the, the religious world says, okay, you had godly sorrow, now you have salvation, you're saved in your sin, therefore you're going to go to heaven in your sin. Because if you think about it, if you were saved in your sin, and you're saved, why would sin keep you from going to heaven afterward? I have no problem with that at all. You're saved from your sin, and you No, it's, it's, the Bible says our labor is not in vain. It's never in vain. God knows. Okay, God knows. Okay. And, but if, you're, if, if your repentance hasn't been deep enough, God's going to let you know. Something's going to pop up. Then what do you do? Go back and say, man, God. And because I, I had that happen to me. I, I had to go back. But God, obviously my repentance wasn't deep enough. I, I, I quit that. I, everything. Lord, I lay it all down. Help me, God. Bible says that, that the Lord is, that we're fellow workers with God. I draw near to you, God. Draw near to me. You're my strength. I won't, I, I leave all that. I don't want that anymore. But it gets deep. But as long as I thought that I was going to sin, I did. See, because that's faith. I have to believe God. To him who is able to keep me from falling and present me blameless before a man is coming with exceeding joy, Jude 24 says. Counting on the Lord, with working with the Lord. He's going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because I've made up my mind. I've awoke to righteousness and quit sinning. After you've suffered a while, you cease from sin. Stop. And you live the rest of your life to the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Okay, so are you safe right now? Am I safe? Absolutely. Obviously, I believe that. But say if I, I had a stumble, then I have to go back and realize, like, Lord, my repentance wasn't deep enough. Thank you. And I'd say thank you. And I'd say thank you for pointing that out, God. So you would then say, well, I must not been saved? I would then say, let me back up just a minute. Let, let's define sin, first of all. Let's, let's define sin. Okay. If I die, if I die in my sin... I can't inherit the kingdom of God. The scripture is very clear on those sins that will keep you from the kingdom of God. Okay? If one of those things I did and I die in that, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom. But if I did something like go over the speed limit or something like that and I die over the speed limit, I'm going to heaven. That's not in the that's not in the commandments, not in the law. That's not it doesn't matter. It's not the Lord. The Lord is explicit and gives the list. And, and, so you're not under the law. Okay. Speed is not in there. Yeah. <laughs> I already looked. Did you, Don? Come on, Don. Yeah. But, speed is not in there. The Lord made protection for Donna. Fits of rage. Fits of rage. And you can be in Yeah. Yeah, that's that's wrong. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're not going. That's right. And you weren't saved. Okay, let me give you an example. Claire, Claire, let me give you an example. Okay, I can give you a couple of examples in the scripture, because the preacher asked me about this. He told me he says, okay, saying the same thing to you. He says, if I lie, 
and I, and I told a lie, out blatant lie, and I'm, go, and I'm on my way home, and I didn't repent from that lie. I didn't ask forgiveness of the lie, and I get killed on the way home. Will I go to heaven or hell? I said, I'll give you a scripture for it. I said, there was an Ananias and Sapphira. You know the story. They lied about how much they sold their land for. They, they had a profession of faith. They were those are Christians, everything else. And they come there, and he comes in, and he says, I, did, I sold my property for such and such amount. And but Peter says to him, he said, you've lied. You not only lied to us, you lied to the Holy Ghost. The man fell dead right now. God killed him. A little while later, his wife comes in, who wasn't privy to that, what had just happened with her husband, but she knew they instigated it together. And he asked the woman, he says, did y'all send your land for such and such amount? She said, yes. He says, the feet that just dragged your husband out of here are waiting for you at the door. They're going to drag you out and bury y'all next to each other. She died, fell dead too. The wrath of God killed him. You think they went to heaven? One sin. All they did was lie. But that story may not be the best example because it shows their hearts were deceitful. Uh, it, yeah. it really does. It shows I, that I they're the, conniving. The they lied, period. With the people that messed up just one time. You know, Lot's wife. Uh, That's right, Lot's Aiken, wife. Uh, Adam and Eve, you know. It was just one I know exactly what their heart was like. Their heart was corrupt. Because the Bible says if I got anything that comes out of my mouth, it comes from my heart. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I tell a lie with my mouth, that means my heart was corrupt. Any sin is that. Any sin you do is comes out of your heart. That's why it's important when you, got, when you have a sin not to try to fix the symptom, but realize you got a heart problem and you need, your heart's not right with God. Paul told Simeon the same thing. He said, your heart is not right with God because you tried to buy the Holy Ghost. Your heart's not right. Okay, but you said there's a list. There is. Of sins, okay. So yes, and liar's one of them. Right, but if, if you're... Yeah, try not to bring anybody out specifically, okay? Yeah, if he, yeah, you say he didn't know he lied. I don't know how you would know you didn't lie. And Ben's a salesman, though, so he may lie a lot. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny you brought Ben out on that one, Bob. <laughs> huh? You got to talk louder. Yeah, it does, exactly. It, it, so, just like she just said, she said a good tree could not bring forth bad fruit. That's right. But you gotta, you gotta say, look, I'm not a good look, tree. Look, I know, I know these things somewhat are hard for some. It, it was for me uh, to realize it uh, because, you know, you've had this all this time and then all of a sudden you got this, a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. 
I didn't know how to deal with it before. I wrestled with that scripture. I didn't know. Tell me how to deal with it. Relationship with the Lord, and you mess up on a, a small sin. Is that what you say? Relationship with the Lion, Claire, Claire, Lion. They they lied, Claire. They they told one thing. They lied. The rich man. He he had one problem. All he he kept all the commandments. He had one problem. He was holding on to his riches. Just one problem. The uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's wife. One problem. She looked back when God said, "Don't do it." Adam and Eve, who ate one piece of fruit, they lost it. They got kicked out of the garden just for one thing. Why? Because a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. What is repentance? It's turning from a sin. Turning totally from no, not a sin. That is not repentance. But yeah, yeah, but that's not the repentance he's talking about. They talk about becoming. You don't. You don't become a new creation by turning from one sin. You become a new creation by turning from all sin. That's why all things become new. Right, but that's talking about becoming a new creation. That's what I'm talking about. Because only a new creation is going to enter the kingdom of God. If you're not a new creation, you're not going to enter. If you're not, if you're not walking in true righteousness and holiness. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. You work it out. Yeah, you and God. Yeah. Okay. Why? I feel like you're hanging out. No, you're asking me. I'm talking to you. We're all on this. You just have the floor. You just have the floor, Claire. No, I get what you're saying, Claire. You missed too many meetings, Claire. We can love you, you no, Claire. Can you, can you explain we love it, you, though? Claire. Can you explain it, though? That whole deal? Work out yourself? What does that mean? Claire, I use that scripture all the time because people say it's God doing it. It's not you. It is you. It's you turning from your sin. Where you, If we sin, that means we love that sin more than we love God. Just If we just per, be perfectly honest. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, God's doing it. And you're doing it. You both work together. We're fellow workers with God, 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says. So yes, we do do that. But in working out your salvation, does that mean that it takes a year? Six months? 20 years? It doesn't say a timeline there. It says to work out your salvation right now. Matter of fact, the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, says, behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. So yes, we really can't, and in other words, what you were saying a while ago is kind of like what Don said a while ago. We're really not saved until the end. Right. Really. You know, salvation is not there until the end because a man can walk away from his righteousness and turn and go the other way. You're being saved. Yes, basically, yes. But then again, in Romans 10, 9, it says if you profess with your mouth. And confess with your mouth. Okay, go one more verse past that. For he that be, for he, for it is him that believeth unto righteousness. Okay, the next King verse. Believes unto righteousness. <laughs> I can't talk to it that way, dog. Okay. <laughs> hey, what's, what's, what's the what's the scripture? Uh, uh, Romans ten nineteen. Romans ten nineteen. I didn't mean to say believeth, okay? <laughs> believes unto righteousness, okay? So, you know, sin needs to become exceedingly sinful. And all those little things that you're talking about, those, just those little things, they have to be 
paramount. And to make your calling and election sure. Absolutely. So with fear and trembling, you work out your own salvation. With even being concerned with the smallest little thing, smallest little thing, and work it out till it's all gone. And that's why I love you. Why, why are we fearing and trembling? <laughs> hey, hey, Claire, another thing to ask yourself. Another thing to ask yourself is why are you fearing and trembling? Why are you fearing and trembling? Because you may not make it. Because you, because you, God, God says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. In Proverbs sixteen six. Nobody wants to be told that. I don't think anybody's going to tell you that, but at, 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 at a time where something ugly is transpiring, you can tell yourself that. Hey, yeah, I mean, I, right. if you want to be honest with yourself, I mean, if, 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 if you're messing up and the Lord's showing you that you're messing up, hey, you got to admit that. You, you can't try and sin. justify what you're doing. No, absolutely. you got to admit, admit that that's a sin and right. repent from that sin. And don't worry but about not, anything. Just... But it's not repenting and sinning. You're repenting and sinning. Women are a river. We're yesterday. Uh, it's neither male nor female, oh, but right. Jew nor Greek. We're all oh, one in Christ yeah. Jesus. No, the Bible instructs us what to do if we do that. If you have godly sorrow for what you've done, thank God you got godly sorrow, then repent. Yeah. And repent, and then you have salvation. That's what, just follow the instructions of the scriptures. Okay, no problem with that. But, but, but it's not to be something that you become born again over and over and no, over again. And you were not born again if you had that stuff coming up out of your life. The Bible said that's in your heart. Your heart's not right with God. If that stuff's coming out of your mouth, or coming, whether it's fornication, whether it's uh, rage, whether whatever it is, it's coming from your heart. That's right. And your heart is not right with God. Therefore, you are not right with God. You have to admit it according to the scriptures. God, you're right. I'm wrong. Forget the pride thing of like, I've been in the Lord all this time. I had to do the same thing. Yes, it was it's difficult. Not, it's not a pride thing. Tell me in the King James Version. still was a lie whether I thought it was a lie wasn't a lie. I could also say that when I was a Catholic I thought I was doing the right thing. Thinking you're doing the right thing doesn't make it the right thing. 
And when you, when you, we gotta, we gotta examine ourselves according to what the Word of God says. And if I got something, if again going all the way back, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. I can, it can't happen. The Scripture says that I, that where did all these things come from? This fornication, this pornography, all these different things. In Mark chapter seven, it says it comes from the heart. The heart's not right. I did it ignorantly, like Paul did. He killed Christians ignorantly. Did God, did he really, or, or did I really lead people astray into hell by telling them the same thing they're telling them today? That's the thing. I did, I did, because I was going to hell myself. So how can you be, I mean, you never had the revelation, and God never showed you the things that he showed you now. It's still a lie. But you know it was a lie. That's right. But it was still a lie. It's like preachers today that are preaching that you're going to, to sin for the rest of your life. They're preaching a lie. Whether they think it's a lie or don't think it's a lie, it's still a lie. So I don't attack the preacher, but I will attack the doctrine because it's sending people to hell. If I tell people they're okay in their sin and that they can be born again over and over again or they were born again way back then and they were saved, then they would have to still believe while they're in that sin they're saved. And that's, that's totally unscriptural. What if you don't? What if you die? Well, then you're... You're, you're what? You're not saved. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any, any sense. What you just said, you said you saved before. Okay. Now so you lost your salvation. If, you're, if you die in a sin... Okay, she's hung up again. <laughs> Help me. Unless you're speaking, but that's okay. Huh? The, speed limit is all right the Bible says if I sin, I'm of the devil. What you going to do with that? You, if you sin, you're of the devil. The devil's going to heaven. Can't justify it anymore. Why, why justify it anymore? Why not just make it like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to walk you in righteousness. Be comfortable in any no, it's you dangerous to be. Comfort, it, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's adverse why, to why, conviction. Why do y'all think I'm saying that being sin is okay? No, I asked you. I just asked you. You wouldn't answer me. No, you didn't say that. The problem is, is... I know you're not saying sin is okay. No, it's not. And you know scripture a lot better than I do in King James, too. Which, uh, okay, so... Hey, let me give you an ESV version, okay? If I be pulled from scripture, different things that I have in my mind that I don't know their addresses, you know, I could make my point better, but I'm not, I'm not there yet, maybe. You know what you're, what you're saying right now what? is pretty much the same thing that the Lord told people that said, Lord, Lord, did not do all these things in your name. I mean, did, wouldn't that, didn't I walk with you for 20 years? I'm not saying that I've spent 20 years in the Lord, so therefore give me a medal. I'm saying that my heart during these last years, I have spent with the Lord. I don't care what y'all I mean, think about it. But I know that it I doesn't, have time with the Lord. I, I that, that okay. I know that I have had intimate time with the Lord. I know that I know him. Amen. Amen. Okay? And if I sinned when I said F you, which I did and I repented for, that doesn't take away the precious time that I've had with the Lord. It doesn't it doesn't take Okay, away. okay, let me say let me ask you this. That's if where, if, if anybody says F you in this room, according to James one, your religion is worthless. That's what it says. It, it's, it's, he says, if, if something comes out of your mouth defiled, 
your religion is worthless. So your religion is worthless, Claire. That's the truth. That's what the Word of God says. That's not me. Don't be mad at me. Okay, Read James 1. It says, if anything comes out of my mouth that's defiled, my religion is worthless. No good. James chapter 1. That's right. That's right. She told me that. So what she's saying is she knows she's had. She absolutely, and I know she has. Could that scripture mean at the time that your heart, that you slip and you say something very defiling to me in a moment of anger, that your religion at the time is is worthless? But does that at that time, does that necessarily mean that your religion all that time, your whole life to that point, has been worthless? No, because the scripture says in Ezekiel that if a righteous man turned from his righteousness. When you had that F word come out of your mouth, you turned from your righteousness and you, your religion became worthless. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Worthless. From that moment on until you came to a place where you truly repented and okay. turned from your right. sin. All right. that's so from that moment, just from that moment, yeah. you're all good that's before that's that, that moment. No, it wasn't good because your heart was, was, was deceitful. Your heart was wrong. I'm sorry for it. Yeah, it's getting big. I mean, it's You heard what she said? You heard what she said? And 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 it's true. I mean, we have to admit it. I understand what you're saying. And, and that if, if, I go, if I'm walking with God and I go fornicate or I go commit adultery, I have to doubt my relationship with the Lord was very strong. If I have a word coming out of my, out of my word, an F word, I would be really, really broken and say, man, God, man, I'm not, my, I am not right with you. I would take, like you said, make it exceedingly serious because that's really horrible. They have relationships with him too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bye, Ben. Bye, Ben. You, you have to realize that, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You have to agree with the Word of God. Right. It's willful sin. Willful sin. Like James chapter 3, it says that if any man can control his tongue, something like that. Let me see. 
Well, he actually says no man can control his tongue. But he also says in Ephesians 4, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, with it, but that which is good to the edifying, that you have to be able to control your tongue. But, the, but if you try to make you to control your tongue, that's not, that's not the answer because you're only trying to deal with the symptom. The reason the stuff came out of the tongue was because the heart wasn't right with God. That's where all sin comes from. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the heart was messed up, therefore that came out of the mouth. If you just try to correct and say, well, I'm going to do my best not to say those words again, it will never work. you got to realize i got a heart problem. I need to go make, get my heart right with God so nothing ugly will come out of my mouth. Yeah, I don't even mention letters. For me, that's my conviction in my personal life. That's, that, that, that's what I'm saying. If, we've been, if we supposedly have been in the Lord for that long and we got that kind of stuff coming out of our lives, we got to say something's wrong. Yeah, but what you're saying right there is that kind of stuff coming out of our lives. That, that's, not a day, that's, not, that's not a daily occurrence. I can't even tell doesn't you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yes, it, it does means matter. you can't inherit the kingdom of God. But I, if I stayed in that spot. But, you, but it's not a repent, and it's not, not a repent, sin, repent, sin relationship. It's got to yeah. be some point you got to get born again. That's right. Don't criticize that. That's why I said, if anybody stumbled, because exactly. I did, but I repented, and, and not only repent and say, oh, forgive me, God. No, no I repent and I said, forgive me, Lord, and, and help me, and show it to me how to deal with these things, because I don't want to offend you, Lord. You know? Well, well there's, one, there's one other thing to this, okay? There's one other thing, that a very, very important part. Mm-hmm. The Bible says after you come to the knowledge of the, uh, knowledge of the truth, and, and you go back, and you sin, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. Let me go on. Most of us have, are, are just now coming to the knowledge of the truth. Some of us haven't even come to the knowledge of the truth yet. The knowledge of the truth is, is that sin is not tolerated with God. Yeah. Therefore, when I began to see, the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Then I began to fear God and work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I realized sin's got to stop in my life. Yeah. You see, we just now come into that real revelation of that. So it takes some time to have a full repentance sometime. All that other stuff that you did in the past was times that you, that you basically thought you were okay in it, and that you could repent and, and, and you could repent and sin and repent and sin. But that's not the way God has it for you. God wants you to stop sinning. There need to stop time, sinning. There was a time that I felt that way when I was very early in my walk. Exactly. But I didn't. Exactly. But that's like I was a year old. Yes. And when I, when I did say that word, I was, it shocked me that I said it. And I, it broke my heart a little bit. But on the flip side of that, when I hit, hit, I hit this guy on a bicycle, he turned in front of me in the nighttime rain, and um, he thought he had the green light, and I had a green light. And I hit the, his rear window, his rear tire, tire, and I was on the phone with Cassidy, and I screamed, Jesus. That was what was in my heart. <coughs> Of the heart, the mouth 
you gotta, it's just gotta go by the word of God. I'm not saying that you, you hated me or anything like that. You may have, but that. At that point, that she probably point. did. Says King James uh, for you. <laughs> he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in. That's right. First John two ten. And we we have to we, you have to agree with the word. You got you got one. If not when, it's not when. It's if. It's a it's not a something that's happening. It's an if. Okay, but don't forget all the scriptures that do tell you that. Come on, I'm going to keep teaching you. Come on, I'm going to keep disciplining. I see your heart is trying with everything in you. Where's those scriptures? Show them to me. I don't know him. I don't know him. I need to see the scriptures. I don't know him. I don't know those scriptures. I see all those scriptures. Says if you continue in my word, if you if you do, if you don't do these these buts and all this other stuff, but gosh, you know, I mean, to me, the, the scriptures now, if you look at them, the simplicity of what they say, you know, that sin has to stop. Without holiness, you're not going to see God. He's the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? I always think that You committed, you honestly, if you, if you cussed him F, you committed murder. If you cussed him with F, you were, that's what my Bible tells me. That's what Jesus says. Jesus tells me that. If you hate your brother, you murdered him. And if you got that coming out of your mouth, you, you come in with hate. That's not love. It, it, that's what the scripture says. It says, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. Claire, you, I love you, I hate you. Come on. I mean, I mean, I love you, F you. Come on. You really feel like that's love? To tell somebody F you? Huh? Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. At that moment, she didn't love him. The definitions in Scripture, you either love somebody or hate them. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 that if someone hates his brother or, or hates someone else, that they've committed murder, that it's the same as murder. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I, I don't take offense at it at all. This is a good example of why we have many different churches. So I'm going to leave and I can start my own church. No, they, they, they earnestly contended for the faith. They, they uh, argued the scriptures for the truth. There's nothing wrong with that. But we want to, we want to, if we don't humble ourselves, then God will humble us. And we don't want that. That's why God never says that he wants to humble you. He wants us to humble ourselves. And to humble ourselves is to humble ourselves to his word. And basically saying, God, you're right and I'm wrong. You know, and, and uh, if God is, is calling us to holiness, he doesn't want us stumbling around because we put ourselves in a very dangerous position. I'm concerned for my soul. I'm concerned for every soul in here. That's all that, the only reason. I'm not trying to win a, a debate or try to win a doctrine. I'm trying to save souls. I want to make sure that you make it heaven and I make it heaven and that we all do. Amen. And I do fear that because the word of God says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I do fear when, when those people are there before the Lord, he says, why do you call me Lord and do not, Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. Then he turns around and says, in that day you'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things? And he said, you're supposed to do my will. He says, depart from me. I didn't know you. And we want to say, well, I know God and God knows me. Well, does he know me if I'm sinning? He says, no, he doesn't. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You who don't keep God's law. Another version says it's not King James. And iniquity is an old word for sin. Depart from me, you workers of sin. They, they honestly thought they were Christians. They honestly thought they were doing the right thing because they, they were saying, Lord, man, look what we did. I mean, we, I mean, how many people are casting out devils and, heal, and doing miracles and all these things, these many, many wonderful works that they were doing? They were deceived because they thought they were okay with God, and they weren't. I don't want to appear on that day and realize that. If I'm wrong, then I'm going to make you walk closer to the Lord, and you'll get a better reward. But if I'm right, you go to hell. And we go to hell if we follow the other way. And, I, and I'm, I'm certain 110% that I'm right. I know I'm right because I just look at the simple word of God. And I fear when he says those things. And I fear with, when I look at the examples that he shows the people that didn't take heed to walk in this, a sinless life. You know, and, and I, I, he said they won't inherit the kingdom of God. There was no addendums there. And he said, well, if you accepted me one time, you're going to go. Well, you could do this every now and then. I don't think, for, I don't think John, John wrote the book of 1 John. He says, I wrote these things so that you may know you have eternal life. I don't think John's thought was when he said, my little children, I write to you is that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate to follow the righteous one, Jesus Christ. I don't think it was in his mind that people were going to just keep stumbling and keep stumbling and keep stumbling and going back to Jesus. I, th I think it was, a, well, if we're still doing that after being in the Lord, so, so to say, for 20 years, then it is. We should long have stopped. I should have long have stopped before I did. Should have long have stopped. That's why Paul wrote that, whoever to write a Hebrews way, he said, man, the time you ought to be teaching, you need that someone teach you again the first oracles, first principles of the word of God. Then he goes on and he said, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. In other words, don't quit laying these foundations of repentance. 
and dead works. That, he said, quit that. Go to perfection. Quit laying those foundations. We shouldn't be repenting and believing, repenting and believing. He said, get the repentance right once and for all and quit. Just stop sinning. What's keeping you from stop sinning? What's keeping us? Only thing that can keep us from stop sinning is that we love the sin more than we love God. Because he said, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able in sin. He provides a way of escape. Take, take his way of escape. We don't need to be sitting around justifying sin. We need to be sitting around stopping sinning and encouraging one another to stop it. Put an end to it. I want you to go to heaven. People mad at me for that. Didn't, they'll just have to be mad at me. I know, but I'm not saying you, but others are. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I just want, you to, I just want us all to stop. Quit sinning, just like what Jesus said. Wake up to righteousness and quit sinning. Don't believe these people. And don't get around 11 where people are saying that, that you're justified by Christ and that Christ's righteousness is covering you, that you're going to sin and still go to heaven. It's a lie. Sin does not enter the kingdom of God. I don't believe that. I believe that you have to stop sinning. Amen. Okay. Out. Yeah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these uh, brethren, God, my brothers and sisters here tonight. Thank you for your word, God. Your word is powerful and sharper than the two-edged sword. Yes, Lord. I thank you for the power of the cross, God, that enables us, Lord Jesus. You said you came to take away sin from us, God. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God that gives us the victory, Lord. Yes, God. Thank you, We're looking to you, Lord, and we will... Resist sin to the shedding of blood, God. Because yes, we know that it doesn't please you, Lord, for us to walk in the flesh, but to walk in the spirit. Thank you, Thank you for my brother and God. May there be no, no separation or dissension in between us, God. Let us love one another fervently with a pure heart as you'd have us yes, to do, Lord. Lord. And to fellowship together and encourage one another and walk this out, Lord. Yes, God. In Jesus Christ's name. Jesus. Amen. 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 <clears throat>